Welcome to the Turning Point Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from lead pastor Nathan Newell. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 9. We'll read a few verses here, and then we're going to jump to another location. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 9, and he said, After he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight. This is Jesus, by the way, that they're talking about. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Luke chapter 21. Backpedal a few pages. Luke 21. I'll wait for you. Everybody's still turning. We're now in Luke 21. We're going to start with verse 25. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and upon the earth dismay among nations. In perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things happen, take place and take place, Straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Behold, the fig tree and all of the trees, as soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. But even so you, too, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be on guard that your hearts may not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep on the alert, pray at all times, praying that in order that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Lord Jesus, we honor your word. Lord, and we don't just honor the word, the parts or the words that we like or the words that are most relevant to us. Lord, the whole thing is your word. We say it this way. All of the word is for all of us. Can we say it? All of the word is for all of us. Every word, every paragraph, every sentence, Lord Jesus, the entire thing, every verse, book, chapter. Lord God, we need your Holy Spirit to teach us today, to lead us through your word, 
that we may have revelation, that we may understand things of the heavenlies and of the spirit that before we were not aware of. Lord God, speak to us. God, I thank you that as one man speaks from this platform, the Holy Spirit speaks to every person individually in this room. We thank you, Lord, that you know how to form it, you know how to shape it, you know how to word it, Lord God. So we submit ourselves for the speaking and for the hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Have a seat. Have a seat. The title this morning, Heads Up. Heads Up. That's a phrase that rings true with pretty much everyone in this room. I should know. It's baseball season. we got all of our boys in baseball. And so Heads Up is something that we hear regularly right now. Heads Up. Heads up. In terms of, of any kind of real deep revelation for you this morning, I, 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 don't, I don't consider it as much of that as much as this is a necessary word, I believe, for us and for the church at this time. It's from week to week. <clears throat> you see, much of what happens in service, in our services from week to week, even this morning in the atmosphere and beautiful presence. I love what God is doing here. Ivy and I, we love being pastors of such a wonderful church. And we are so looking forward to the future and what else God has for us. But much of what happens in these services from week to week, others would say, many would say, that's, they would consider it revival. They would consider that kind of atmosphere. And as thrilled as I am about that, I also grieve and I'm burdened uh, that there is much more of God that I desire to see uh, in this house uh, and for the people of this house that we, that we are to be living in. And in order for us to live the, the fullness of the life that God has given us, we can't leave, as Mr. Steve was saying, we can't afford to leave a single brick of that foundation out. We can't afford to, to bypass it or, 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 or uh, go over it. These words are spirit and life, every word of them. What is happening here? We read in, in Acts chapter 1, and at the beginning of Acts, just a few verses ahead of that, um, what you see is you, be, you see a brief description of Jesus presenting himself. Last, last week was, was Easter, was Resurrection Sunday, a beautiful Sunday. And so... Um, but a lot of times we need to go into the fact that he just he didn't just come back once. He's coming back again. And I believe in order for us to truly live the life that is prepared and that is ready, if we ever lose sight of the fact that he's coming back and could come back at any moment, then we are missing out on a key urgency that is necessary. I said urgency, not anxiety. He said, be anxious for nothing. That's worldly concerns. But to be eagerly waiting and watching. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll slow it down. But here's what's happening in the first part of Acts. There's a brief accounting of Jesus presenting himself. He's presenting himself alive to the disciples over a period of 40 days. With many convincing proofs was what, is what the word says. And speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. 
It's what Jesus did during his 40 days after the resurrection. He also said to them that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Which we all know if we read on into Acts chapter 2, the word says 10 days later when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered together in the upper room. They listened to the words of Jesus. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. Wait there until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is so key for us. That is so key because it, it, it describes these men, these disciples who walked and talked with Jesus himself. Pre-resurrection and post-resurrection. The Son of God. And he says, don't start a ministry. Don't start a church. Don't have a Bible study. Don't do anything until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in order to do this thing effectively, in order to live this life effectively, in order to do what you've been called to do, it's going to take something other than yourself. It's going to take the same Holy Spirit that I had while on this that comes on you. How important is it for us to have the Holy Spirit? The focus of this message. When we, uh, I want to focus on what Jesus spent so much time and effort communicating to us. Anything that's repeated by God, it's the same as, as it is with, with us. It indicates that something is important. You repeat something to your children, why? Because you're trying to get their attention. You want to emphasize the importance of it. The amount of repetition then gives credit to the level of seriousness. Okay? There are several parables that Jesus spoke to communicate his return. And that's really what I want to focus on today. I told you before, we're going to read some Bible. Jump over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. There are several parables Jesus spoke to communicate his return. The doorkeeper, which is in Luke chapter 12. The owner of the house, which is in Luke chapter 12. The servant in charge of the household. It's also in Luke chapter 12. That's why we're going to read some through, through, through Luke here. Starting with verse 35. Be in readiness. This is what Jesus says. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. Keep your lamps alight. This is in reference. Also, remember an, another parable of Jesus returning the parable of the ten virgins. Virgins. We're not going to that account this morning. In Matthew, the parable of the ten virgins, there were ten. That represents the church, by the way. All ten virgins. And five were wise and five were foolish. And five kept oil in their lamps and had extra oil so that when the bridegroom delayed, they had enough to refill their lamps. They had enough to keep going. And so then the other foolish virgins, the five foolish virgins didn't have enough oil, and so they pleaded with those who had the extra oil, and they said, if we give you all of our oil, there's not going to be enough, so when the master returns, and so they went off to buy oil, and at the time that they went off, and they were not to be found, that's when the bride, verse 37, okay, that's what he's referring to, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight, verse 36, and be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants who the master will find 
on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those servants. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. This is going into a separate parable here, the owner of the house. You too, therefore, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that we do not expect. The Bible's good, right? Let's keep going. The Bible is truth. And Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward who his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whose master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions, being faithful with what they have been given until the master comes. Remember, it's the parable of the talents all over again. Being faithful because the master gave to each one of his servants. Then he went away on a long journey. Hello? He went away on a long journey. Jesus went away on a long journey. He goes to prepare a place for us, the word of God says, and then he will come at the appropriate time. Where was I at? Verse, verse 45. Verse 45. But if the slave says in, in his heart, my master will be gone in a long time and begins to beat other servants, both may when he can drink and get drunk, and the master, then the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and command deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but a few, a little more. And from everyone who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted what was entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. The servant who knew his master's will, verse 47, the servant who knew his master's will and did not get ready and act according with his will shall receive many lashes. Just want to remind everybody that we did, we did say together, all of the word is for all of us. You see, sometimes we, we lose sight of the God that we serve. And what has happened through the decades in the American church specifically, in our church culture, what has happened through the decades that there was, there was so much talk of how, of how God and in his wrath and in his judgment, it created a judgment kind of culture that became toxic. We can do that with anything. And we are good in the church of letting the pendulum swing one way and then back the other way. We did it in the Jesus movement. We did it in the faith movement. Then there was a worship movement. Then there's all, all this kind of stuff. There's movements. And I praise God for the movements because what it is, it is a heralding to us that there was something that has been missing. And so the Holy Spirit is the initiator of those movements. 
But what we do is like, uh, I remember this especially because I, I was a young man when we started, when we started to see it, when we started to see, we started to see uh, Hillsong and all these other, these, this worship come, this worship movement come out. And what ended up happening is that we got so caught up, listen, not in the worship, but in the songs that we created a generation that knows how to, we're having to bring that thing back into balance. We're having to appropriate why we worship, how we worship with the word of God and what this thing is really supposed to look like. And that worship is, an, is, is a matter of the heart. So we do this in, in, in the church. And, so, and, and when we abandon things, we tend to throw the baby out with bathwater. My pastor has said it, said it for years. We've done that with the Holy Spirit. Because we saw abuses of the gifts. We saw, we saw maybe, they, maybe they were ministers, maybe they were well-meaning people. And, and they operated in a way that wasn't wise. They operated in a way that, that was in the flesh. And so here's what has happened, though. Because we were afraid of people operating in the flesh, and instead of pastoring and learning and teaching from it and growing from it, we just said, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we just don't want them here. We don't want those things happening because it might be an awkward scene. And so we, then we threw the baby out with the bathwater, and so now, now getting the Holy Spirit back into the churches is a work. The thing is, is that we have, we have a generation and the people in this room who are longing to see the move of the Holy Spirit again and desire to see the gifts. And so what we've got to do, especially generation that has come before, is that, first of all, let us stir up the gifts within us. Let's stir up the gifts to be used in the gifts again so we can teach a generation that is coming up that this is how you can operate. This is what we've learned from. And we're not going to be afraid to step out in faith. What if you're walking through Walmart and all of a sudden you pass by someone and you know immediately that you're supposed to pray for them? You know immediately that you're supposed to pray for them, and all of a sudden you you start to get you start to to think things about them, not judgmental things. You start thinking things about them that you know are not typically your thoughts. Maybe you just had a sense that that person just went through a divorce, and God begins to give you things to pray. Pastor, isn't that not what happened this, this morning with Zach? Zach was walking up here, and all of a sudden, God began to start speaking something to you. It's an activity of the Holy Spirit. God began to deposit in you word of knowledge, something about him. Then you're a runner. That's knowledge about his life that he didn't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to, t to, to teach on that. We'll, 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 we'll get to that at a later time. What I am saying is we can't be afraid to get into the things that the Bible says that we're allowed and we have permission to get into and that this is the life that is meant for every single believer, that these signs shall follow them that believe, that lay hands on the sick, the sick recover, the dead are raised, the blind see, the deaf hear. Those things are for us. Jesus put everybody, he equalized everything. 
These signs will follow them that believe. He didn't say these signs will follow the apostles. These, fi- these signs will follow the, the, the platform ministry. These signs will follow the evangelists and the teachers and the prophets and all of that. No, these signs will follow anyone who will believe. He said it again. All things are possible to him who... To believe. To believe that these things are possible. Coming back to this. The return of Jesus... This has been lost in the current church culture of America. The truth that Jesus is coming and he can come at any time. He can come during this service. He said no man knows the hour. Jesus even talked about it. The Father and Jesus, they talk about a lot of stuff. They know a lot of things. But there is one thing that the Son does not know, and he does not know the hour and the time. The Father will appoint it to him. He will say, now is the time. Now is the time. What we were reading in Luke, he was saying all of these things will happen. Jesus is saying this. Okay? This isn't the, this isn't the words of, a, of another uh, apostle, another disciple. This isn't hearsay. Jesus is saying this. I'm saying this directly. Remember how many times he said he had to go to Jerusalem and he had to be crucified and he had to, be given, he had to give his life a ransom for many? He kept telling the disciples. The disciples got so sick of hearing it that Peter stepped in front of him one time and said, No, 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 this isn't going to happen. But Jesus came through on what he said. He went to Jerusalem. He went to the cross just as he said he would. And then he was resurrected just like he said he would be. So we have to take the same amount of serious, as much as we celebrated last week, the fact that Jesus is dead, buried, crucified, risen. He is also coming again. He is coming again. It is just as much the gospel of Jesus Christ that him crucified, buried, resurrected, that we walk in newness of life, gifts of the Holy Spirit, signs following believers, all that's a part of the gospel. So is his return. When we lose sight of that, we lose sight of an important foundation for our faith. I remember growing up, Sunday school. We had Sunday school back then. What's Sunday school now? You know what we have now? We get where there's Bible study happening, where there's prayer happening, where there is connection. It is not just a filler program. This is why this is why we are going to continue. We are going to continue this term of family. We are going to continue to water that and we're going to see it grow. And, and, there's so, and, and we often so want to avoid those kinds of words when it comes to church because we don't want the accountability. We shy away from the accountability because if we know, if we really get connected with somebody, if we really get, get in with a church family, it's going to be harder for us to stay away. And we want to keep the freedoms and the liberties that we have and that we want just to, just, to, just to come when we want to, just to show up when we want to. But when there's relationship, there's something that takes place. <laughs> Say, it's good, Pastor. Even though I don't like it, it's good. Other parables he used, the ten virgins, we talked about that. 
in Luke chapter 19, the proper use of the talents. The fig tree also, he talks about the fig tree. When you see the leaves coming, can you not tell that summer is on the way? Therefore, when you see these signs around you, and I'm not here this morning to go into all the signs that are around us and in this earth and in the world. What I am here to tell you is that it has been advancing. And the time is nearer now than it ever has been. If it was near five minutes ago, that's how time works. Keeps going. We're nearer now. And now. Wait for it. And now. Peter and Paul and John, they all, we were talking about the main writers of the New Testament. They all were wished for the return of Jesus and for it to come quickly. Paul, with his own hand, he said, oh, Lord, come. And what that literally means is Maranatha, Lord, come. And Peter, 2 Peter, he said, we should be looking for and earnestly desiring the come of the day of God. And in Revelation, John, the Apostle John who wrote Revelation, who received the revelation of the Lord on the Isle of Patmos, John wanted the Lord to come quickly in judgment and in retribution and bringing plagues upon those who were persecuting Christians. John was, was, is a man like David. When David prayed, he prayed for the destruction of his enemies. He made no bones about it. He said, God, smite those evildoer bad people. Paraphrase. Get them good. John wanted to see the end of all things to come quickly because if that were to happen, then he would be with Jesus. The problem is, is that we love the current world that we live in. We love the comforts, we love the attainments, we love the achievements, we love what we can gain. Especially here, because there's so much at our, our, at our fingertips. And when we love the current world that we live in, we have little or no desire for the world of heaven and the world to come. Everybody still with me? Here's what the word says. Do not be deceived, for no one can serve two masters. For he will love one. He will despise the other. Paul, if you remember, Paul had a ministry partner named Demas who was with him and helping him out. But Paul said that Demas, for his love of the present world, stayed in a wicked city, decided to live a life in wickedness and to abandon Paul. Someone who is walking with Paul, one of the greatest, arguably the greatest of the apostles. The word says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Amen. <clears throat> and the preaching of the gospel, as it pertains to the return of Jesus, has been lost in pursuit of the American dream. It's hard to dream heavenly dreams when we're caught up trying to pursue the American dream. And I will tell you, as, as blessed and as wonderful as this land is and as much as I love this land, you are selling yourself immeasurably short 
if you're looking for the American dream above God's dream for your life. You are selling yourself so short. Hmm. The reason why we're not living heads up is because we've forgotten what it is that we're looking forward to. Some of God's greatest words to us, in the, in, even in this text that we're reading, because I, I know this is something that we don't, we don't visit often. We don't visit this, this thinking. We don't visit this context often. And some of the greatest words that God has given us are words of warning. And warnings are out of love. Words of warning. God placed one tree in the garden with Adam and Eve. And it came with a restriction and a warning. God God created man with free will. But it wouldn't be free will if there wasn't some kind of choice in the garden. And so God implemented a choice called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So at all times, this tree will be here, but I tell you, you're not to eat of it. Which means daily, you'll have to choose my word, you'll have to choose my promises, you'll have to choose what I, what I said, or you can, you can take it and eat. But this is what he said. Of all the trees in the garden you can eat of, here's the warning. Except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat it, what will happen? You will die. You will surely die. This was the warning. Love issues the warning. I give warnings to my boys all the time. I warn them because I don't want something awful to happen to them. I want them to be prepared for what is coming. So I give them a warning. <laughs> and ultimately, I just want to save them from something that is wicked, something vile, that is evil, that is on the outside. That's part of the warning. Here's the second warning. And this is where we're getting into right here, like in verse 47 of Luke chapter 12. And the slave that who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance to his will will receive many lashes. He'll be assigned with the unbelievers. So God is not just warning us to keep us from the evil, wicked, and harmful things that are out to attack us and to take us, Satan, who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. God is also warning us so that we can be saved from him. Everybody tracking with me? Son, you better not do that or I'm going to whoop your butt. Isn't that what he said? Lashes. The one who knew what to do and not do it is getting lashes. Lord Jesus, help me. Who poured out the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah? Who flooded the earth at the time of Noah? Who's going to pour out his wrath in the end times? Who's going to do that? Satan and his whatever he's got with him, they have their part in the story. But God is a just God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, the, of wisdom. 
There is a healthy to keep my life before. When we know that there is something I've got to do that I'm responsible for to keep my life before him, to be ready so that when he comes, I am found faithful when the master comes knocking. This is a truth that if we're too shy and we're too scared and we're too afraid to speak to it, then it's not the whole truth, so help me God. You see, because in the end, God will completely eradicate and destroy all sin and all things that are evil. He will have his way. And before you get way ahead and say, man, that's just, that's just harsher. That's not, the, that's not the God. That's not the Jesus that I, that I grew up learning in church. The thing is, is that Jesus has been coming back for 2,000 years. How much compassion and long-suffering does our God have? You see, judgment is his last, 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 last resort. He is giving opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after second chance after second chance after second chance. I'm like on my millionth second chance. Oh, come on. Where are the real people in the house? I'm on like my millionth second chance on this thing. I'm deserving to be on a platform or hold a microphone. My God. And his faithfulness is long-suffering and his compassion. But this is what we've got to learn, church, is that we can't afford any longer to fall into slumber. Heads up. Heads up. Heads up. If we take it lightly, he said, he said, you'll come like a thief in the night. It will be at a time where you didn't expect. It'll be at an hour that you didn't see, you didn't see happening. But let us be ready. Hmm. My father was an aircraft technician. He was a master mechanic, successful entrepreneur. And my mom started aircraft modifications and maintenance business business owner, and he was also a pilot. He was a pilot. And I remember going up in those little single-engine airplanes with him. And if you've never been in one, I can tell you that the first few times are uh, a white-knuckling experience because um, you feel everything. Those little airplanes, you feel it all. Every gust of wind, every slight atmospheric pressure change, it affects the plane, and you feel all of it. And, uh, and so, but, but once you would reach altitude, uh, my father would punch in the coordinates uh, for our heading and, and our destination, all of that. And then there was another system that my father could activate that would fly the plane. It's called autopilot. It's called autopilot. This is a system that is used to control speed, trajectory of an aircraft without constant hands-on 
control by a human operator being required. And God began to speak this to me. We can't afford to set our spiritual lives on autopilot. We achieve a certain altitude in God, metaphorically speaking. And then we find a place where we can coast. But what did he say? He said, keep looking up. Keep looking up. And in fact, what he said was that when you see these things happening, straighten up, he said, and look up. Lift up your head. Meaning as high as you think you are, as much ground as you have gained in Christ all of these years, and any, any of the mature believers in this house, you know it seems all of this stuff that you have gained and you still feel like you're at the beginning of the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge of God. There is always more. There is always more. And it's not just enough for us to intellectually ascend to a level of understanding. The truth is, if there's no doing with the understanding, we really haven't done the understanding part. If there is no action associated with what we've learned, then really what have we learned? Oh, I learned how to budget a long time ago. Well, if you still come up at the end of the month with no money and trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills, then really you haven't learned how to... Well, we wrote it down on paper. There has to be an adjustment. There has to be a change. We keep looking up. We tend to come into this. It's a hands-off approach, which is an indication that someone may be present but disengaged. My dad was there. He was a pilot. He had the skill to push the autopilot button. He can just sit back. It means that when autopilot is on, I don't have to be directly involved. Everybody here in the word. Uh. And when the bride is not engaged with the groom, <laughs> it's all happening. Heads up. Heads up. Remember this, Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear sins for many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He already dealt with sin on the first trip around. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's why Paul was getting so frustrated. Why, why do you keep on continuing in sin? The sin thing is taken care of. It's done. It's dealt with. It's over. Be yielded to him only. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Hallelujah to God. And what has made its way through the church is so we're so afraid of being labeled an escapist. You want me to preach on that? I can preach on that for a second. Well, if I'm just if I'm just thinking about, about heaven and about the world to come and about and about all of that, then I'll be I'll be labeled as someone who is so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. First of all, that's not biblical. And we should, my goodness. My goodness, 
the trials, the hardships, the worries, and the concerns of this life. I will absolutely look forward to a day where no tear is shed anymore. I will absolutely look forward to the day that is full of joy, that is full of the presence of the Lord, that I will know sorrow no longer. I will absolutely look forward to that. And that is not to say that I don't love what God has done here. <laughs> but I got to have both working. I got to have both working. That if he waits another 2,000 years, I'm content knowing that there are those that are following after me who will need my life of dedication, who will need my life of commitment. to. We think it's bad now. If it's that hour, they will need the torch that I pass. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.